I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, so I flip on the MSNBC this morning to see what their top story is. Here we go. Our top story, believe it or not, Stormy Daniels back in the news. Yeah, real flashback here. There you go. You know, I, are... I think I had failed to appreciate the fact that it was their "quote unquote" top story, right? That's I mean, how if obsessed. it were a story at all, that's amazing, right? That's that's how obsessed or 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 ratings gold, I guess. Ugh, really? They are with Trump stories. Trump. Have you ever seen the grass grow, uh, paint dry? Air day, I turn on the news to see, on MSNBC to see what they're talking about. And almost always, and I mean like 90% of the time, it's a Trump story of some sort. And I think, really? Okay, I guess I'll switch over to something else. Now, maybe I've leapt to the wrong conclusion. Did Stormy Daniels cure cancer or land on Mars? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just the whole... Donald Trump hush money Stormy Daniels thing again. No. Yes. Our top story. <laughs> wow. Do they have anything on Iran Contra or Watergate? I think Nixon covered it up. I mean, is it Throwback Tuesday? That's amazing. Wow. So on a slightly uh more relevant topic well completely more relevant uh got this note from um let's see Can I oh use and we got name? we got some texts from people who are in the phone industry on whether or not the people there back at the shop at verizon or at&t or whatever can read your texts 
Some of it's kind of shocking, so stay tuned for that. Uh, they're reading them, they're tweeting them, they're laughing at them and giving out your home address. Stay with us. Uh, so, Jake writes, I've been uh, meaning to write you guys for a while. I want to pass along some of my experiences working for a fire department in the San Francisco Bay Area as it relates to fentanyl. This is something we've talked about a lot, particularly in terms of parents talking to kids. You cannot buy a Xanax off of Snapchat because it will kill you. It may kill you because nobody knows what's in pills anymore. The 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 uh, cartels are putting fentanyl and everything. Anyway, don't listen to me. Listen to Jake. Uh, so you uh, wanted to pass along some of his experiences that relates to fentanyl. Spoiler alert: It's even worse than you think. Ooh. Anyone who works in EMS knows that fentanyl overdoses or poisonings are not that uncommon. What is uncommon is the deaths. That may seem counter to the narrative, considering all the news coverage that the fentanyl deaths receive. What you must keep in mind is that that not every overdose results in death. What no one is talking about is the number of potential fentanyl deaths that are prevented by Narcan, a drug that counteracts the effects of opioids. We've talked about that a lot. We have indeed. It's kind of a good news, bad news scenario. Jake writes, from my personal experience, a conservative estimate is at least 10 to 1, meaning that for every reported death, there are most likely 10 people who would have died, but we were able to save them with Narcan. I had no idea of that. So that 100,000 people a year dying in America from drug overdoses or poisonings, because if you think you're taking a Xanax and somebody gives you fentanyl, that's not an overdose. That's a poisoning. That's anyway. That's interesting. I assumed that. I think I assumed the opposite, really. So according to Jake, it could easily be hundreds of thousands or maybe a million people dying a year. I wonder if that would get the Biden administration to close the border or try. Uh, moving along, I've seen a I've seen a handful of fentanyl deaths. Uh, thinking back over the past couple of years, but I can't even begin to count the number of overdoses I've seen reversed where the patient survived. I would expect that most of those overdoses would have likely ended with the patient dying without medical intervention. Uh, blah blah blah. Uh, talking to many of our peers, their experiences are similar. Fentanyl overdoses have become so prevalent that many police police officers now carry Narcan with them while on patrol. This originally was in case they came into contact with fentanyl and had to administer the Narcan to themselves or their partners, but it's evolved into them administering to patients. Since the police will typically arrive prior to EMS, they're able to administer Narcan to the patients quicker, literally saving these patients' lives. Fentanyl is so much stronger than the previous opioids, morphine, heroin, Vicodin, that we have had not only to increase the dose of Narcan that we give, but also increase the number of doses to counteract the fentanyl. It is common that a patient will require two, three, four, even five doses of Narcan, where prior to fentanyl, one dose was adequate for a routine overdose call. If that wasn't enough, fentanyl stays in the body longer than Narcan. There have been occasions where crews have responded back to the same patient again a couple of hours later because they relapsed after they left the hospital and the Narcan has worn off, but there's still a lethal amount of fentanyl in their system. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, I can't get over that first stat. So I was thinking that, you know, people die of fentanyl, obviously, lots of people. And every once in a while, you get to save people with this drug instead of it's the complete opposite. Man, we're going around saving people all the time with this drug. It's just a miracle of its existence and getting to people on time. 
And yeah, you're right to ask question, uh, right, ask the right question. And would we do anything any different if it were a million people dying? I'm not sure we would. I mean, a hundred thousand is an extraordinary number. You would think that would be enough, considering it's so many children, teenagers, and, and young people who, again, they didn't say, hey, give me a nice dose of fentanyl I can jab into my veins. And, you know, even if that were the case, you can make the argument they're addicts, they're, that they need help. But this is people who think they're getting a tab of ecstasy or or just something to make them a little loopy with a cocktail on Friday night. It's not like they think they're taking fentanyl. You know what's weird about this is I, I wish I had the numbers in front of me because I know we did this story last year or year before. Um, it was the numbers around the crack cocaine epidemic of the you know 80s and 90s when that was like a lead story every single day. Right. And there yeah. were... You know, there were all kinds of major policy ramifications in cities and states and how to deal with this. And it was a fraction of the number of people that are dying from opioids and fentanyl now. But but we you know, we moved mountains over that whole thing. Well, it's been pointed out that when Nixon began the so-called war on drugs, the number of overdose deaths in the United States, I don't have the number in front of me, but it was like the number of people who attend a high school basketball game. I mean, it was a few thousand. And now we're well over 100,000. So just that aspect of it, then, why are we so meh about 100,000 when a much smaller number was a national crisis 30 years ago? What's that all about? I, I guess my, my guess sociologically would be that drug use was drug use rather was seen as so abhorrent and unthinkable for most Americans. It just seemed like a crazy insane thing that was happening now i think a lot of people are a lot more comfortable with the idea of getting a little high taking some drugs whatever that's weird i think you're probably right but that's kind of weird it's not obviously the numbers are there to look at just getting high if uh, you got a hundred thousand people dying no Um, it's people dying in the prime of life and also often at the hand, hands of the evil, brutal Mexican drug cartels. Uh, nobody. What, what surprises me a little bit is that more people on the right aren't seeing this as a matter of national defense. And I'm not saying nobody is because there are plenty of us who do. How are we not seeing it as a foreign entity is killing Americans by the hundreds of thousands? And the other thing that makes it even stranger that we're underreacting to this story is back when the crack cocaine thing you could have made the you could have had the feeling of you know that's a certain crowd that's not my crowd and so i'm not worried about it whereas this is killing everybody i mean this is killing regular run-of-the-mill suburban i'm not in a gang i don't live a i'm not living a dangerous uh criminal lifestyle i'm just you know everybody right yeah Oh, getting back to Jake's email, we'll we'll, uh, wrap that up. Uh, To prepare for a worst-case scenario, our our department has gone so far as to create a cache of Narcan in case we have a fentanyl MCI, multi-casualty incident. Uh, So they're preparing as if it is in the same way that you prepare for an explosion or a mass killing or something like that. 
There have been several circumstances around the country where something gets passed around at a party and people start to partake and all end up overdosing. It seems that the one thing that keeps the fentanyl crisis from being even worse than it is is that the EMS system and the first responders across the country are so good at treating it. It's because they see it so much. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I see this crisis getting worse before it gets better. Please keep spreading the word. Thank you for helping us, Jake. See it getting worse before it gets better. Yikes. That is something. You get numb to you get numb to numbers, I guess. That's part of it. Well, and a quick tip of the cap to the Purdue family and Big Pharma for making hundreds of thousands of addicts through their deceptive, you know, advertising and messages to doctors and all is so many of the people who are overdosing on drugs now became addicts during the great period of washing oxy, this, that, and the other across the country, that wave. Although not all of them, again, a lot of it is just kids who think they're getting an Adderall and they end up dead. Right. That's why uh, maybe when the numbers get high enough or goes on long enough, it'll get people attention. Because it's still a thing where I'm not going to end up with a fentanyl death, me personally. I'm not taking really any drugs that don't come out of a pharmacy ever. So, but if you know enough people's high school or college kid or whoever drops dead of it, you'd think that'd get enough attention. Yeah, yeah, you would. I think it's starting to. But you look at the things people are worried about or vote about or whatever, hundreds of thousands of people dying, you think might make that list, but. You know, I could actually go back to the uh, still have that Gallup story. What people are most uh, yeah, we should touch what they on that think again. is the biggest uh, thing. I, I don't see drug overdose very high. Yep, Gallup asked y'all what is the most important issue facing this country. We could run through those. I've got to touch on once again Joe Biden's worst tweet of the year. It'll be hard to top this one. His worst tweet of the year. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we're talking about, I came across this thing in New York Post about uh, are people reading your texts? And I thought, what is that even about? But we kind of got on the subject of who can read text or do you have a system where you read each other's texts like we got this? Um, uh, my, my husband and wife share an Apple ID and share an iPad and the iMessage and all our iMessages are shared. So you just share your communications so you see what each other are communicating. Like, um, are you, uh, do you, do you share your location to where like you can check and see where your wife is at any moment or they can check and see where you are at any moment? And then do you do that even if you can? Because do you care? You know, Judy and I do, but just so like she knows what hole on the golf course I'm on. <laughs> so she has more warning of when I might be home for dinner. Um, uh, but the idea of seeing each other's text messages, what? So like every, th- these strings of 75 text messages she has with her buddies that are setting up some game of canasta or something I got to look at? <laughs> no, spare me. How do I turn that off? And then I was asking at the company, can they can they read your texts? Um, I worked for Verizon. Yes, certain employees can see your text messages. This is how law enforcement can use messages to help in criminal cases. When I worked there, we weren't supposed to access that part of the system unless there was a specific reason. But the answer to your question is yes, they can if they want to. Did you know that? Mm, I didn't no. know that. That the people no. at Verizon can sit there and write, I have my AT&T, but can sit there and read your text if they want to? Now, it's metadata. Obviously, there'd be so many customers. And some, but how do you keep it from being, you know, the hot chick that just walked out with her new phone and you know what her number is? You think, yeah, I'm just going to keep track of her. I'm going to read her texts. See what she's got mm. going on. I wonder if she has a boyfriend. I mean, how do you keep that from happening? Because ethics, morality. By the way, it's worth noting that... Uh Apple to Apple device to Apple device, the blue uh, text, the iMessage, that's encrypted end-to-end. Ain't nobody looking at that. Um, uh, in your family structure, yes, we can read other texts. My kids all know that I can access their texts. That's part of the deal when I get them a phone. I haven't decided what I'm doing on that yet because my kids don't have phones. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with that, but I'm willing to listen to... Uh, yeah, I totally respect people who have different ideas. Uh, on yeah, that and topic. It, and and as always, it might depend on your kid and what their situation is. But um, yeah, you I know that's a that's a that's an obvious and incredibly important point to make. Thank you for making. I, <laughs> on behalf of the audience, thank you for making that point. You're welcome. But um, but I yeah, I don't want to I don't want to read my son's text as he's venting about something I did or said or whatever. It just that that doesn't seem cool. No, no. Or comparing notes with his friends or whatever. Let, you know, I, I, let them go through that. But at the same time, if there's a specific risk, something you're concerned about, a history, a, 
a fear of going down a wrong road. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge you and your family and what you do. It, you know, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of situations like if he say he's a sophomore in high school, which he's not, and he got and he's got a new friend he's hanging out around with all the time. That seems pretty sketchy to me. I can see checking in and seeing what their communication's about. I can see doing that. Yeah, taking a glance. Yeah. Depends, though. Again, these are all circumstance by circumstance. Yeah. yeah. Um, web browser history on the computer? I think it's a definite yes for me, although I'm not really there yet on that either. I have to think these things over. Yeah, kids are good at clearing that stuff, too. Right. That's the, that's the other thing. We learned that from 60 Minutes like a month or so ago. If you get into the technology battle of who's ahead, uh, I don't like my chances. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Remember the girl on sixty, 60 minutes? minutes? She yeah. had she had hidden her social media account. You can have your Instagram look like the calculator app on the phone. So I check mm, the phone, right. say, okay, they don't have uh, they don't have Twitter or, so, or Instagram. That's good. Well, they do. It's just hidden as a different app. Right, right. Which is true. Uh, just a question: Did they have Paul Ehrlich talking about that on sixty minutes? Since they regularly quote crackpots and liars. I just, they've betrayed me. I, I can't trust them anymore. So Gallup asks us, what's the most important issue facing the country? We need to uh, take a look at that. And I want to restate the worst tweet Joe Biden has put out under his account this year. It's getting mocked by quite a few people, and it should. I'm hoping the Washington Post fact checks it, for crying out loud. It hmm. deserves a four Pinocchios, if you fact haven't heard check. about it. So. That's all in the way. If you miss an hour, you can grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on... The more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
incredibly serious topic of overdoses of fentanyl, we got this text. We ran out of Norcan on our last overdose call. 27-year-old dead. There's significant other overdose right in front of us while we were doing CPR. Oh, my God. It's just hard to imagine. Anyway, we were kind of wondering where that issue ranks in terms of problem, biggest problem facing America, Galapagos. What did they tell us, Joe? Well, Jack, oddly enough, uh, inflation and or the economy in general, which are difficult to separate, has uh, faded. And the number one problem cited was government slash lack of good leadership. That was uh, the top answer for 24% of Republicans and 18% of Democrats. So. I'm, I, I, I don't actually know if these polls have any worth whatsoever. No, my big gripe, as I made clear earlier, is the idea that you have to pick just one. Yeah, That's I'm worried about my problem. kids and my blood pressure. What do you mean pick one? <laughs> it just seems absurd. Right, exactly. Nobody lives their life that way. Right. Um, inflation is so high, I can't keep up. I'm worried I'm going to lose my job and my kid is struggling. But I only get to pick one thing I'm worried about. Sorry, one of them, the kid or the job. Son, pick one. <laughs> yeah, it's just idiotic. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of the question of ranked choice voting. Yeah, that's my number one choice. But that guy over there on the other side of the aisle is sure as hell not my number two choice. So how about you just let me do my top three? Anyway, so your top issues are uh, government in general. that's weighted more toward Republicans. Inflation, which interestingly enough, is the number one issue for 18% of Republicans and only 11% of Democrats are Democratic-leaning independents. How much of that is shaded by who you think gets blamed for things? Well, if we accept the idiotic yet undeniable truism that the president gets too much credit and too much blame for the economy, yeah, I'd, I'd guess that's Democrats being defensive. Right. But your your classic description of who is the Democratic coalition you would think would include a hell of a lot of people who can't endure high inflation. Well, let, let's look at it this way. If you had to, somebody's put a gun to your head, and I mean, this should be against the law if it isn't already. Somebody put a gun to your head and made you choose, which do you think is the biggest problem facing the country? Of those on that list, what would you choose? Mm-hmm. I might go with government. I think I would, too. Yeah. I mean, how quick is the guy with the gun going to make me decide? Can I think about it for a second? <laughs> you, got, you got like 60 seconds to make a decision or it's goodbye. 60. Okay. Wow. Polling has sure changed in my lifetime. Um, yeah. Barbaric. I mean, because uh, government slash, uh, you know, the quality of leadership affects so many things because the government has its tentacles in virtually everything that happens at this point. Yeah, I think I'd go with that. Now, interestingly, after inflation comes immigration, mostly on the strength of the fact that 18% of Republicans and Republican leaners cited that as their number one, only 5% of uh, Democrats. Well, the government one is it's, it's surprising it's not more of a, a runaway number one, given that polling... That said, both parties, 75% of people on both sides think the other side is out to destroy America. Well, so mm-hmm. if you got both sides thinking, you know, everything would be fine if my side was in charge, but the other side, they're trying to destroy the country. And three quarters of both sides think that's true of the other side. 
Oof. So interestingly enough, government is number one. It's a third more Republicans than Democrats. Believe that. Okay. Uh, and I point that out because I want to do the same comparison as some other numbers. With inflation, it's uh, almost half again more Republicans. Immigration, it's more than triple the number of Democrats, Republicans who believe that. Uh, the economy in general is about the same. Moral slash ethical slash family decline. Six percent of Republicans, two percent of Democrats. It's interesting that two percent of Democrats are willing to say that. You know, it's it's triple the number that of Republicans. I'm sorry, the number of Republicans triple that number, but uh, the, there's concern on both sides. Federal budget slash deficit slash debt. It's only five percent of Republicans, three percent of Democrats. Rush Limbaugh was right. There's no constituency for it. Forget it. We'll just wait till there's a disaster, a self-created disaster, and mm-hmm. then we'll deal with it, I guess. Uh, poverty, hunger, homelessness. 4% of each party says that. 4%. Wow, that's something, isn't it? I think that's appropriate, but that's not the way you, what you would guess by the way it's covered in the media. Well, that reminds me, tomorrow we, we probably We're the do richest this, country that's ever existed. In terms of, you know, having a serious population, governed yourself, I'm not counting mm-hmm. some tiny little 40 square mile Saudi sort of country. Right, the, right. You know, where everybody's a prince and drives a Bentley. <laughs> everybody's a prince. <laughs> but, the, yeah, the idea that you'd ha- highly rate poverty, okay. Yeah, boy, you can combine poverty and hunger and homelessness, and you only get 4% on each side of the aisle. That's something. Yeah, it is. I wonder if you asked uh, like uh, West Coasters if you got a different, if mm. would you get a different number than most Americans? I'm sure you would. Crime slash violence: four percent of Republicans, five percent of uh, Democrats. Unifying the country. This is interesting. Well, three percent. Cr- yes, this you're right. This is a stupid way to go about it because crime is a really big problem. But am I going to list it as the biggest problem in the country? No. It's just a dumb way to... What's the point of this? Is there a point to this? <laughs> Getting to the end of the show? <laughs> well, I assume... No, you're right. You know what? You're right. There are some of these numbers that I think the con- the contrast between the two sides is interesting. But you're right. It's hard to, it's hard to find meaning in a poll that's... I almost dropped an F-bomb. <laughs> Blanking meaningless. <laughs> Well, Gallup asks it for some reason. They must think it's important. How about you know, this? The, the gap, government thing gap fits... between the rich and poor. Zero percent of Republicans, which is now the party of the working class. Right. Keep that in mind, biatches. I will. Huh? Boy, I'm like a sailor all of a sudden. Zero <laughs> percent of Republicans and four percent of Democrats, Democratically. So income inequality doesn't even hit five percent. Come on. Come on. Come on, Bernie. Um, the, the number one being, uh, what's it, government and leadership. Um, that yeah. kind of fits in with the NBC polling that they had on Meet the Press, where the right track, wrong track, is at, the, is at uh, super high numbers and for the longest period of time it ever has been. And right track, wrong track is all about government and leadership, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> Uh, it probably boils were, down to that. Even I if guess. things were really bad, if you felt like the leadership was good and you had the right people, you'd think you're on the right track. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's not surprising. You know, what's funny is, uh, as analysts, allegedly commentators, if you will, we haven't even gone to the legitimacy of the concern. Our leadership sucks on ice. It's an embarrassment to God, man, and dog alike. Congress is indefensible. The president is senile. Well, that bad the, Senate, the Senate doesn't function. The courts are divided, but I think do a pretty decent job. The electorate is not paying any attention. Oh, the electorate's an embarrassment to the aforementioned embarrassments. So, yeah, I would say government sucks. Getting to the senile president. Here is the worst tweet that President Biden has ever put out. He's a picture of him sitting in a really cool-looking EV SUV from General Motors. It's a cool-looking vehicle. Anyway, he tweets out the picture of him in that from yesterday when he's talking about infrastructure and all the trillions of dollars that they're spending on bridges and roads uh, and electric vehicles. On my watch, the great American road trip is going to be fully electrified. And now, through a tax credit, you can get up to $7,500 on a new electric vehicle. Now, the vehicle he's sitting in doesn't qualify. Doesn't even come close. It doesn't qualify for like nine different reasons. And neither does practically any other electric vehicle that you can come across qualify for the $7,500 tax credit. And 1% of the cars on the road are electric. We don't have the infrastructure for it to be much higher than that yet. But he says, on my watch, the great American road trip is going to be fully electrified. Well, it's just not true. Furthermore, your unicorn's feed is tax deductible, and any damage done to your home by Bigfoot will be compensated by the federal government. Well, even if you're gonna, even if you're gonna claim a, you know, a certain percentage of miles will be driven by electric cars or something in the future, the Great American Road Trip ain't gonna be electrified anytime soon. Ain't no nobody way. taking long trips in electric cars and liking them. I read from the Wall Street Journal, somebody tried it over the summer in a non-Tesla, found it to be miserable. I've done it in a Tesla, where at least they do have the charging stations. It's still a pain in the ass. Um, so that just, In just, 20 just years, false. maybe. Maybe in 20 years. I, In fact, I would guess. I would bet money that in 20 years, but not now. Not even close now. Well, he said, on my watch, right. which is horse crap. Which might be over this afternoon. God gets a vote. Yeah, for our podcast we do, we're going to play a longer version of his speech yesterday in which he was as rambling and old-sounding as Grandpa Simpson. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's practically wearing onions on his belt, for those familiar (laughs) with that reference. It was the fashion at the time. Well, yeah, so you got to take that into account. Um, We will finish strong next. True international over pressure. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I'll give you a little longer form of how the president sounded yesterday, giving his big infrastructure uh, speech about electric cars and tunnels and all that sort of stuff, and his experience on Amtrak. This is what he sounded like. Amtrak wasn't just a way to get home. The family, the conductors, the engineers, they literally became my family. I used, to have a, I used to have a summer party at my home in Delaware. Started off with about 10 conductors and, uh, and, and, uh, and engineers. Ended up with about 70 people. They might became my friends. Went an awful lot of their children's weddings and, unfortunately, funerals of them. When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two. And I was uh, going home as a United States uh, as vice president. And one of the conductors said to me, Hey, Joe, big deal. Million, whatever, 200. You said you've, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. So how the hell do you know that? And they added it up. There. But folks, look, I made a thousand trips through this tunnel. So I've been through this tunnel a thousand times. And, uh, you know, but when folks talk about how badly the Baltimore Tunnel needs an upgrade, you don't need me to tell you. I've been there. He is so rambly at this point. He goes on to say, I can say now, since there's different leadership, I used to about 15% of the time ride with the, the conductor on the Amtrak, and I had my own key. I was the only person that had an Amtrak key when I left, and nobody has any idea if that's true or not. The New York Post and others have uh, contacted Amtrak to see, did he indeed have a key? And what does the key do, the train key? <laughs> um, <laughs> what is he talking about? Because a whole bunch of other things that he has claimed over the years have turned out not to be true, from that same Amtrak story about how many miles he rode. Yeah. People looked into it. No, he didn't ride that many miles. The conductor that he quotes saying, Jojo, or whatever he said, uh, didn't actually work when he was, and all kinds of different things that, that, did, that didn't pan out. So He's got a key to the back, he said. He was the only guy, as far as he knows, who's had a key to the back. All right. 
Maybe he was, but we'll see many of these other things. But just his, he sounds so much older than he did when he was running for president. I think he actually gets out, if he, if he, if he runs, he says he's going to run, he gets out on the campaign trail, it's going to be shocking to people. Of course, it depends on who he's running against. And they got this story in the Washington Post from yesterday. The Washington Post, some Democrats are worried about Harris's political, pros- political prospects. This is from the Washington Post. At a pivotal point in Biden's term, many party activists are not sure the vice president has shown she is up to winning the top job. Come on now. Wow, that's like saying I'm not sure my dog is up to running for the Senate. I mean, that's an understatement. It is, but I think the fact that the Washington Post put it out shows you how much trouble she's in. The fact that they they would do a story like this at all. Such concerns about Harris's political strength are repeated often by more than a dozen Democratic leaders in key states interviewed for this story, says the Washington Post. More than a dozen. Some speaking on the condition of anonymity to convey candid thoughts. Harris's tenure has been underwhelming, they said, marked by struggles as a communicator and in times near invisibility, leaving many rank-and-file Democrats unpersuaded that she has the force, charisma, and skill to mount a winning presidential campaign. Okay, well, it's out in the open, then. Uh, Yeah. and and rather nakedly so, if the Washington Post wrote that. And uh, and, and saying, we talked to more than a dozen people about this. Yeah, yeah. So you got the president, is you just heard him? Kind of a rambling old man making up stories about riding on trains. And you got the vice president, who even the Washington Post is saying, yeah, most of you Democrats we're talking to think she can't do it. So, Well, that struggling to communicate, that's self-evident. I mean, the time to... It is time for us poorly. to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. To communicate poorly. What was the rest of that list? Um, her near, near invisibility, which I think they do because of her communication skills. Well, I think I, that's yeah, exactly my point. Yeah, the the reason she's nearly invisible is because she's utterly incapable of of really doing anything good positive well right impressive every, every time she gets on the the national stage to you know make a speech or something like that it ends up being you know m- mockable material for late night shows and you know and, and radio shows yeah so that's why she's invisible I wonder what she yeah. does on a daily basis i'll bet a lot of nothing right you know the old joke about your only job is to get up and see if the president's still alive i'll right. bet she does a lot of that yeah, well, I'd check twice a day in this case. <laughs> check again in the afternoon. It's time for Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty to share some final thoughts. And if I hear them say another negative thing about me, these really will be their final thoughts. Hashtag Clinton body count. Wow. <laughs> Hillary Clinton herself with a hashtag... Wow. Clinton body count. That was chilling, Jack. That sounded like a threat to me. Here's your host for Final Thoughts. Yes, yes, yes. Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo pressing the buttons in the control room. Michael, a final thought? I just think about electric vehicles, and yeah, it's going to be a long, long time before electric vehicles are mainstream. you got to have be able to charge at home. you got to be able to charge uh, at gas stations. It's going to take a long, long time. Well, and according to an estimate I just read, that uh, if if California does move to renewable fuels only for electricity on schedule, electrical bills will be four to five times as expensive as they are now. Well, just because we brought it up, uh, (laughs) as at the big supercharger for Tesla's 
at the mall two days ago, and for the first time ever, I pulled up and there wasn't a slot available. There is there is no way to charge. There were more cars than slots, so even the Tesla uh, system is not keeping up right now. So I don't know where this is going. My final thought is a challenge to you, good people. So both sides of the aisle said the number one problem this country has is crappy government and crappy leadership. Will it work itself out? Is there something we should be doing to help it work out? How do you see the issue? Since we choose who's in government. Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? It's kind of Email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll feature your notes tomorrow. Yeah. If the number one issue, according to voters, is bad government, will we start choosing differently? That's a good one. If we are getting the government we deserve, we suck. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. The hot links are there. Drop us an email, like you said. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Pick up some swag. Get the podcasts. There's a link. A link. One click, and there you are. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. When it's over, it is over. It is over. And that's it. I said bye. Adios, mofo. Are you sure of that, dude? Well, yep. Absolutely. Okay. Let me say, let me say one thing. Nope, you gotta pick one. And then we'll talk about that. And you'll pretend the other ones don't even exist. Because you're stupid and I'm stupid. Let's be stupid together. God, it makes me crazy. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.